Well, good morning. So glad you all are with us this morning as we close out this series called Don't Do Life Alone. If you're a guest with us or just first time back in a long time, the past three weeks we've been in this series called Don't Do Life Alone. And really the entire premise for the series is that God did not create you to do life by yourself. That's what is unfortunate about our culture is that's the very thing many of us are doing, and it's not God's plan for your life. In fact, in my experience, it's, it's some of the most famous people who are doing life alone. So you might be thinking that, well, I'm, I'm taking a look at my life, Pastor, and, and I don't feel like I'm doing it alone. I'm busy all the time. There's a lot of people in it. And, and, and the fact is, is our perception about our life might not be matching our reality. So as in an effort to pastor you well, I thought we should spend a few weeks exploring how we can maximize our relationships and thereby give us the best chance to live a full and happy life within God's plan for us. So week one, I tried to show you that the first relationship you have to quit doing alone is your relationship with God. Too many people hung up and get caught up on doing God's laws and they forget about the fact that God has a love that he wants you to experience as well. God's love always precedes God's laws. But let's not forget that, I mean, yes and amen to keeping rules, but we can't forget that God's primary purpose for your life is to save your soul. Your Bible is not primarily a rule book. It is a redemption story. So don't get hung up on on trying to do this religion thing by yourself and keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is to love God and love other people per Jesus and the great commandment. Now, week two is all about us getting our minds right. One of the most dangerous things you can do in life is keep your thoughts to yourself. The bottom line is that you'll never change your life unless God changes your thoughts. It's important for you to realize that the Bible says you've got three enemies. The devil certainly is one, but with the world and you, your flesh, the lust of the flesh, that's also an enemy to your life, which means sometimes you are your own worst enemy. We like to blame the devil on a lot of things, but sometimes that's the wrong D word. It was your decisions, and that's what got you in trouble. Your thoughts can lead you the wrong direction, but God can help you and wants to help you. That's what repentance is all about. That's what that word means. Change how you think. Then last week we talked about not doing marriage alone, which anytime you talk about marriage, you have the potential to isolate a whole group of your listening audience, because what if you're not married? So I worked hard at trying to make that message uh, applicable to everyone. But that being said, I feel like I had to work even harder this morning, because this morning I want to talk to you about not doing parenting alone. Except again, what if, what if you don't have kids? I, I mean, can you just like get on the face box and start tweeting or whatever you need to? Can you start thinking about that amazing fight last night? No, okay, I, I, you cannot do that. You, well, you could do that, but I, I think God's got a word for you that he wants you to hear. I don't think you're here by accident, no matter if you're a parent or not. In fairness, I'm primarily going to be talking to parents, but the principles we lay out today... I promise you, they will work in any relationship. And perhaps more importantly, these principles will stand the test of time. The reason that's a big deal for you is because ideas change. Ideas are constantly changing. The way your parents were told how to parent is not the same way you will be told how to parent. And the so-called experts in their time and what they told them is not going to be the same thing experts are saying today. 
You think about that. When you were a kid and you messed up, daddy got the belt, right? I mean, nowadays you, you, you sit and think about it. They call that timeout. You know, I mean, in, in my day, timeout is if, if mama knocked you out, okay? You, you, you didn't timeout, right? I mean, getting, gr- yeah, right? You go, exactly. You get grounded. I mean, you're getting spiked into the ground. I mean, you're grounded, and that's it. It's a little different. I'm just, just in the seven years that I've been parenting, things have changed with each child. Things we did with Layton, we're not doing with Lana, or, or certainly not Lenny. It's kind of funny because in my study this week, I came across an article that a lady wrote, it's important for you to realize and understand, a lady wrote what I'm about to show you. But, but check out what she says and, and how she describes life with kids. Okay? On your first child, maternity clothes, you begin wearing maternity clothes as soon as your OBGYN confirms you're pregnant. You're excited. You, you go, you, you buy the maternity clothes. Second baby, you wear your regular clothes for as long as possible. You know, I mean, you don't want anybody to know about that. Third baby, your maternity clothes are your regular clothes. Okay, I just, I didn't say that. Okay, this is a woman. So a woman said, I mean, I, that's not that's not me. Okay, no, I, okay. How about what's next? We got going out. First baby, you call home every five minutes. You want to know what that child is going on. Second baby, just before you walk out, you remember to leave a number where you can be reached, okay? Third baby, you leave instructions with Sinner to call only if she sees blood. <laughs> Under no circumstances do we need to be reached. Babysitter, amen, somebody. All right. On swallowing coins, first child, you rush the child to the hospital. Demand x-rays. Where is this coin? Second child, you carefully watch for the coin to pass. That's, no, that's not fun, but that's what you do. Third child, you deduct it from their allowance, right? I mean, you just take it. You got to get that, get that back from somebody. I mean, things, you know, just things change. Things change. When it comes to your parenting, I know your techniques might change over time, but there are some biblical essentials that are never going to change. How you practice them, that might change. But since God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, we need to see what His biblical principles for parenting are and what are the non-negotiables when it comes to raising our families well. Now, just so we can all get on the same page, let's define our terms real quick. What do I mean by parenting alone? Here's what I mean. Parenting alone is when consequences and rewards are the only motivation for good behavior. You might jot that down if you're taking notes. Parenting alone is when consequences and rewards are the only motivation for good behavior. It's when success is, well, at least they didn't go to jail. Okay, like I'm winning as a parenting, you know, the glove didn't fit, you must acquit. Okay, that's a win as a par- little OJ joke, don't worry about that. Uh, forget, forget I said that. Uh, it's, it's completely about behavior modification. It's not about spiritual formation. And even the behavior modification is not for the kid's benefit. The consequences and rewards when you're parenting alone, it's all about you. It's about having kids who don't make you look like a fool in public. You believe that your kids' behavior is a direct reflection on you as a human being, so you don't focus on why they act the way they do. You just want their external behavior to look good in front of other people. Now, nobody would actually admit to that, but they don't have to because there's some telltale signs of when you happen to be parenting alone. Here they are. If you're bribing your kids into good behavior, 
Like, I'll give you ice cream if you don't go crazy at the store. Or you've, you just hand over the iPad and the iPhone to keep them quiet. Might I submit to you that you are not plunging the depths of their heart as much as you are hoping for their conformity. You just want them to be quiet. But maybe you don't bribe them. That's good, except the other telltale sign of parenting alone is repeating. If you have ever repeated something a thousand times only to end up exploding and then finally getting the kids' attention, chances are you're parenting alone. Ultimately, what you are doing is you're teaching your child that they can ignore you until you blow up and go crazy. And the reason those things are dangerous The reason why consequences and rewards alone are dangerous is because we're setting our kids up for failure later in life. Listen, when what happens when you're not there? Well, then the consequences and the rewards aren't there, and and that's all they know. So when the motivation for good behavior isn't there, well, then off the deep end they go. Because they're expecting some sort of consequence or reward. It's why you cannot afford to do parenting alone. Now listen to me, because I've done everything I just said that we shouldn't be doing. This was one of the hardest messages I've had to prepare, because I was like, Dad, gum, I'm, I'm blowing it here. So listen to me. You have not blown it any more than God's grace can cover it. God can do amazing things in your family's life. He can redeem it. However, there does need to be some intentionality moving forward on your part because here's what I know. The world does not want your kids to succeed. The devil does not want your kids to succeed. So if they can make you feel terrible about yourself as a parent, and then you wind up doing nothing about it, then your kid will end up being the authority because you quit, and God help us if they're the ones running the show. Amen, somebody. We cannot be having that despite the fact that we see it over and over in our world today. So we've got to do something about this because this is not how God designed the world to work. Now here's the problem, and I get it. This is a problem. We as parents, we have no idea what we're doing. Come on, somebody. I mean, don't make me feel alone up here. That. got awful quiet when I said that, but no parent ever in the history of mankind has had any idea what they're doing when they start out. The hospital just hands you this baby and sends you on your way. They've got to get ready for the next delivery and clean up because God knows more people are just having babies. We don't, I'm not sure why, but I mean, I know how it happened. I'm just, never mind. I can remember when we got Leighton and, and, uh, from the hospital, and Laura and I just looked at each other like, what do we do now? I was like, as a woman, don't you have like some kind of DNA instinctual, like, I mean, aren't you supposed to have this thing? I said, babe, listen, if you, if you leave it and me alone together, uh, it, it's going to die. Okay. You just, <laughs> she was like, first of all, it's a he. Okay. <laughs> And you'll be fine, okay? And, and she was right in the end. But we're all fumbling our way through this. Thank God for the YouTube and the Pinterest because, you know what I mean? Like, I would have no... How did you do it before that? I don't know. But again, just to prove my point, everybody on the interwebs has a different idea on parenting too. As I, as I was preparing this message, I just got on Amazon, searched parenting. There were 250,324 results. What? Like, that's too much. That's overwhelming. Where do we even start? So here's what we need to do, which I've done the hard part for you. We need to figure out if God has any essential elements 
some benchmarks that we can adapt to our context so that we can figure this parenting thing out. Praise God, he's, he has. He's got some elements. So if you brought a Bible, I hope you did. Go ahead and grab it. Or go ahead and, and you'll see this on your sermon notes. It'll be on screen as well. There's a verse I want us to look at together. You can open up right in the middle of your Bible. It's going to be a place called Proverbs. If you're in Psalms, just turn to your right a little bit. Here's what's really cool. Because God has designed the world to work a specific way. The essential elements that we're going to talk about here regarding parenting, listen, they're going to work in every relationship that you have. These principles are going to help your friends. It will certainly help your family. It's going to help your coworkers, your boss, your school, whoever it is, whoever you interact with. If you can get these things right, I promise you, your life is going to change. So check this out. Proverbs 24, that's the big 24. We're in verse 3 says, it takes wisdom to have a good family. Circle those two things, wisdom and good family. It takes understanding to make it strong. Let's dissect that a little bit. It takes wisdom. Somebody say wisdom. wisdom. It takes wisdom to have a good family. That word can also be translated technical skill, shrewdness, aptitude or dexterity. So it takes all of those things to have a good family, which don't you love that the Bible says it takes shrewdness to have a good family? Listen, sometimes you just got to trick those monsters, okay? I mean, that's, that's all. The Bible just said that, that that's a good thing to do. Now, can, can we agree that, that oh, that's a bad trick? Don't, don't tell anybody I said that, okay? Can we agree that wisdom, though, is beyond training? Like technical skill, shrewdness, aptitude, dexterity, that's beyond textbook instruction. That's beyond what you're going to get in a parenting class and what you can write down from an instructor. The Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Being in a wisdom is a fear of the Lord. So in other words, in order for us to have a good family, which wisdom requires, wisdom is going to have to come straight from heaven above. Now, that's actually good news because we have the wisdom of the Lord right here. And we can get it straight from heaven. So you can see that the wisdom of the Lord is that it's going to take understanding to make your family strong. Now, again, this isn't just a parent-child relationship. When you understand what the Bible and God says about relationship, it's going to work in all of your relationships. So, again, I did the hard work for you. I spent a few hours trying to see what God, the Bible, other experts all say about understanding so that we can have strong families. And here's what I came up with. Five essentials that you've got to incorporate today. Here they are. Number one, you've got to have authentic faith. Jot it down. Authentic faith. As if to imply that there's such a thing as inauthentic faith. And listen to me, there is. There's a whole group of people who haven't figured out that there's more to God than Sundays. There's a whole group of people who aren't leaning on the strength and ability and anointing and the power that comes only from God. As a pastor, I just want to make you aware that if you're trying to toy around with this whole church thing and this whole religion thing and you're not making God the all-consuming force that He is, then you're missing out on an entire realm of purpose for your life. 
You're missing out on this incredible relationship where the Holy Spirit of God literally speaks to you and leads you right in the middle of any situation that you're facing. If you're just playing church, you're missing out on a strength and a power that's big enough to overcome any obstacle that you face. Come on, somebody preaching right now. God is big. He wants to change your life. And there's a real, dynamic, authentic relationship that you can have that's life-giving and life-changing. If I do nothing else in my time as pastor here, I want to lead as many people as I can to experience the love that God has for them and deploy them into the world by the power God promises to those who believe in Him to change the world. I want you to reap the benefits that God has said and promised to His children. Best parenting advice I can give you, the best friendship advice I can give you, the best marriage advice I can give you, the best co-working advice I can give you. Get close to Jesus. Live authentically for Jesus. The way you're on Sunday should absolutely be the way you are the rest of your week. Proverbs 14, 26. Reverence for the Lord gives a man deep strength. He's promising you strength. Now look what look who benefits because of your strength. His children have a place of refuge and security because of your strength. Now who wouldn't want that for their family? Really the the only advice I should give you, the best advice I can give you, straight off Joshua twenty four fifteen. I'm sure you've seen this on a t shirt, coffee cup, or welcome mat somewhere. Choose for your days. Choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We've chosen. Have you chosen who you're going to commit your life to? If you've never chosen Jesus, then before you can ever change any relationship in your life, you've got to get that vertical relationship back in line. And I promise you, your horizontal relationships are going to change as well. Choose for yourself on this day. Don't let another day go by that you haven't chosen to get close to Jesus. Once that relationship, the vertical relationship is in line, here's what you got to do next. Number two, you've got to create intentional schedules. Intentional schedules. Your biggest temptation in life is going to be to say yes to every group, club, sport, activity, or event. And the reality is you can give your kids those same experiences by just being intentional with things that they already enjoy. The problem with the world today is we are so busy with our own lives that we feel guilty about not investing in our kids. So we know they should be out doing stuff. Instead of us making the time to do it, we'd rather just pay somebody else to do it for us. In a 2006 study that came from Cornell University, which I don't know what you know about Cornell, but they're not in the habit of hiring morons, okay? So in a study that they conducted, they showed that the average mother spends eight minutes per day in conversation with her adolescents. Fathers, you spend three minutes a day in conversation with your kids, Another study from Cornell showed that an average dad will spend 37 seconds talking to their preschooler per day. That is not okay. 
Look at what the Bible says about your being busy. Too busy to care for your family. Psalm 39, 6. All our busy rushing ends in what? Nothing. Nothing. Pretty clear. All those things that you're trying to accomplish in life, eventually it's going to go away. I say this all the time. All that stuff that you're trying to get right now is the stuff of future garage sales and junkyards. And yet we devote our lives to trying to get all these trinkets and toys at the expense of our families. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says, It's better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. We talk about this a lot with the leaders here. We talked about it just this morning. That God's plan for your life is not busyness. It's peace. He said, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yoke on to me. I want you to have peace in your life. Man, that just rhymed. I'm killing, I'm slaying it up here. Nobody even said anything. I was rapping and I, I just freestyled right there. I don't even know where that came from. That's what God wants for your life. Peace. How do we become a less busy pastor? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. How do we do it? Number three, discover your purpose. That's what you need to do. Discover your purpose. You won't know what to say no to until you understand what your best yes is. What your purpose is. Let me give you some advice that I heard a long time ago. You can't be good at everything, but you can be great at something. Like one thing, you can be great at it. It's in Acts 20, 24. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim... My one thing, my purpose, my best yes is to finish the race and complete the task, singular, the Lord Jesus has given me. That's what you got to do for your life. If you'll figure out what God wants you to do, your life's going to slow down because that's going to be your only aim. And I can promise you this, your one thing is going to involve serving a local community of believers called the church. I can show you a number of scriptures that say you're supposed to be a contributing part of the body of Christ. That the body needs many members. And if you're not serving your role, then the body is not healthy. It's why I feel like my part of my job as the primary spiritual leader here at New Anthem is to help you discover your purpose and to give you opportunities to use that gifting. My most important function might be to help you learn why you are on this planet. And parents, your job is to help your child discover why they're on this planet as well. I, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but your kid's not going to the league. Okay, statistically speaking, there was a better chance for you to win that $700 million jackpot on Wednesday than your kids to play sports vocationally. So what are you teaching them when you only invest your time and money in those places? What are you teaching them when you say this is a priority to our lives? Look, I'm not saying don't do those things. I was a coach for an athlete for the vast majority of my life. I'm on board with them. I'm saying make sure you're preparing them for a future in heaven because there's going to be a lot of pro athletes who end up in the other place unless God does something to save their soul. You know what I'm saying? So you've got to teach your kids that this is what life is all about. Serving the Lord needs to be our primary thing. This one is huge, okay? I, 
I know somebody came to church this morning just for this point. Here it is, number four. Right relationships. You've got to have right relationships as if to say there are wrong ones. Listen to me. There are wrong relationships. And some of you are in them right now. You are the sum total of your relationships. Good or bad, you are who you are because of the people in your life. Young people, listen to me for a second. Everybody, eyes on me. The most important question that you can answer in your life is not, what am I going to do? Or how much money am I going to make? Or where am I going to live? The most important question that you can answer in your life is who am I listening to? Who is speaking in my life? Here's what your Bible says, Proverbs 27, 19. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kinds of friends he chooses. It's pretty strong. I've heard other pastors say that you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And there's very much truth to that. Check this out. Proverbs thirteen twenty. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Parents, probably the most important decision that you can make as a parent is who you choose your, friend, your kids' friends can be. And you heard me right. I said that you get to choose your kids' friends because you do. As long as they're living in your house and you're paying the cell phone bill and they're using your gas and your water and all, you get to decide who they can hang out with and who they can't hang out with. Am I alone in here, parents? Because somebody needed to say amen right there so your, your kids would understand that we're all on the same page on this. Okay? You get to decide who your kids hang out with and I promise you on the front end there's going to be a little bit of a fight to that but in the end they will thank you because their life turned out the better for it. You've got to be listening to the right voices. Your life depends on it. And I just feel like somebody in here this morning needs to hear me say that if you're missionary dating and you're dating a non-believer, you're living your life in sin. Period. The Bible says not to yoke up yourself with somebody thinking that you're going to change their life. They change their life first. And God gets a hold of their soul. And then maybe y'all can start dating and talking about what a relationship looks like. But until then, no, 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 no. That's not how God designed your life and your world to look. Last one. This is an absolute must. You cannot have great relationships. You cannot have a strong family. Jot this down. You've got to have amazing grace. Amazing grace. Why do they call it amazing? Because it makes no sense. That's why they call it amazing. Jesus took all your sin, not just some of it, all of your sin, all the things that you've done, all the things that you're going to continue to do, and listen to me, He still forgives you. Like I, I, I often ask people, how many of your sins were future sins when Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago? All of them. So all your sins get forgiven, and who else treats you like that? Nobody. Only God. It's amazing. Here's what I know. There's not a person on this earth that you won't have to have grace with in order to stay in relationship with them. You know what I'm talking about? 
I mean, you all got that family member or that, that friend that you've just got to constantly have grace. I mean, you can put your hand up, okay? If your hand's not up, then might I submit to you that, that you're the person that they're trying to have grace, you know what I'm saying? Okay, so, so you've got to have, have grace. But same thing is true with parents. You've got to have some grace. Look, they're kids. They're going to make some mistakes. They're going to break some things. They're going to spill some things. They're going to wear some stupid outfits, Who cares? Let them be kids. Listen to me. It can always be worse. Always be worse. I'm going to share this story with you because I uh, uh, read about this online. Dad comes home and finds a letter written from his son. Listen to this. Dear Dad, it's with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and mom been finding real passion with Stacy, and she's so nice. However, I knew you would not approve of her piercings, tattoos, and tight clothes, and the fact that she is much older than me. It's not only the passion, Dad, she's pregnant. Stacy said that we will be very happy. She owns a trailer in the woods, and she's a stack of firewood for the whole winter. We share a dream of, have, of having many more children. Stacy has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana doesn't really hurt anyone. We'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with the other people in the commune for all the cocaine and ecstasy we want. In the meantime, we'll pray that science will find a cure for hepatitis so Stacy can get better. She sure deserves it. Dad, don't worry. I'm 15. I know how to take care of myself. Someday I'm sure we'll be back to visit so you can get to know your many grandchildren. Love, Josh. P.S. Dad, none of the above is true. I'm over at Jason's house. Just wanted to remind you that there are worse things in life than the report card that's on the kitchen table. (laughs) Somebody say grace, right? I I had to read that a few times in my office just so I keep a straight face because I I knew y'all would be going along with me on that. But let me give you some words from the Holy Spirit. This is in your Bible, Ephesians 4.13. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Here's what I know about your life. You're never going to have to forgive somebody more than God has had to forgive you. It cost him everything to forgive you. And it literally cost you nothing. So here's the deal as we close. You can notice that none of what I just said has anything to do with consequences and rewards. Now, I believe in both. So don't misunderstand me. Sometimes the most loving thing you can do is discipline your child. But if, as a parent, you are living out your faith authentically and radically, and it permeates every area of your life, and when you mess up, you can ask God and your family for forgiveness, and if you're intentional about how you spend your time and your kids see that, and if you know your purpose and you spend your money and your influence in that way, and you help your kids do the same thing, if they see your relationships as positive ones, well, now all of a sudden, they're going to know that these boundaries you have set for them, they're not keeping them from anything. Like if they see that mom and dad enjoy life and have fun, then they're going to realize that, well, 
mom and dad don't do this and, and they like to have fun and, and so this thing I'm being tempted by, it must not actually lead to me having fun. You see the difference between consequences and rewards and behavior modification and life transformation. Some of the, the biggest knocks on Christianity is that, is that nobody likes to have fun. Listen, our life should be the biggest party because we got something to celebrate. Like, like people should look at our lives and be like, I don't know if I believe what they believe, but daggum, those people like to party. Like, like that's what they should be describing your life. And if you're parent, if you're, as a parent, your kids are seeing that fullness of life and enjoyment, then why would they be tempted to do any of the stupid stuff that the world's got to offer them? Because they can find fullness of life in God because they know mommy and daddy are doing it the right way. It's why it's so important for you to have a marriage that's, that's life-giving and godly. If you've got any questions about that, you can check out the sermon that we just talked about, how not to do your marriage alone. But listen to me. When you fall short on those things, when you can experience and demonstrate this amazing grace of God, your family is going to be everything you want it to be. Imagine how different your house would look if this is what described you. If you were able to incorporate these five essentials of relationship, imagine how different your home would look, how different your parenting would look, how different your marriage would look, how different your workplace would look, your school. I contend it would change your life for the better. And you can start today. None of those things I said is rocket science. You can do all of them today. Let's pray towards that end. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, thank you again just for giving us the opportunity to gather in this place to hear from your word. God, I just ask that you let these words permeate deep into people's hearts. Teach them how they can do each one of these essentials because they're not going to change. How these things play out, God, they can look a thousand different ways in each person's home, but I just pray that you help lead them to this life-giving, joyful experience that we can have, worshiping you, serving each other. God, I just ask that you send your Holy Spirit in a powerful way to bless homes, to bless marriages, to bless finances, to, to whatever people are struggling with, heal bodies. God, all of these things I'm praying for right now. But most of all, I'm praying that if somebody here this morning hasn't trusted in your Son as their Savior, that you would speak to their heart right now. That they'd surrender their life to you so they can develop this authentic relationship. And enjoy the power and peace that you have for their life. If that's you this morning, I just want to lead you in a prayer. Not that there's any power in this prayer, but God says confess in your heart and believe with your... Confess and believe and you will be saved. And so I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Just uh, in your heart, say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I sinned. Sorry I haven't lived life to the fullest. But I believe in Jesus. That He died for me. That He rose from the dead. And because of that, I'm made new. Thank You for saving me. Help me live this life that you have called me to. God, if there's anybody in here struggling with purpose, I ask that you speak to them, help them deploy their gifts for your glory 
and their enjoyment. All in Jesus' name. Amen.